service, hey, say hello, text hello, but we really mean that. If you're here and you're just checking us out for the first time or it's been a while, uh, text us. Let us know. It's a simple way to connect. Uh, we live in a, in a world that, and, and you don't have to be just like the first time here, right? Like you can, um, I get those texts, Pastor Nicholas gets those texts, so that's it, um, the, just the two of us. But if there's something that we can ever like pray for you or we can encourage you with or if there's something coming up, um, use that. It's a, it's a great way to stay connected in a world that's, um, it's hard. It's hard to stay connected, you know, with all the technology and everything that we have. Uh, if you are stepping here for the first time, my name is Alex. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're uh, thrilled that you've joined us as we get into God's Word. Um, we're going to be in James chapter 5. If you have your Bibles turned there, James chapter 5. And I'll be quite honest with you, I'm a little bit intimidated by this passage, uh, but I really feel like it's what God wants me to teach on today. Um, so James chapter 5, we're going to look at the first, um, I think, five, six verses, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, I want to begin by asking you a question, okay? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to answer out loud. Um, I just want you to think about these questions, okay, as I try to engage you for the message today. Like, if you had to think of, like, the top five wealthiest CEOs uh, in the world today, could you name them, okay? Again, you don't have to say anything out loud, um, but could you if, you, if you, if I ask you, if I put you to the test and I say, think of the, the top five wealthiest, uh, wealthiest CEOs in the world, could you name them? Here's another one, here's another one. Could you name, like, the last five winners of the Academy Award? The last five winners of, some of you may, I don't know, but can you name the last five winners of the Academy Award? Here's one more, okay, I want you, I want you to contrast those two questions with this one. Can you think of someone who's had an influence in your life? Can you think of a person, can you think of five people who've actually cared enough to make you a better person, to love on you, to make you feel like you're worth something, to make you feel like you matter? It may have been a teacher, it may have been a pastor, a coach, uh, a mentor. Here's the point that I'm trying to make as I introduce the subject, the topic for today. On a personal level, on a personal level, okay, fame, wealth, achievement pale in comparison to the impact that someone can have on you when they show love, when they show compassion, when they show that they actually care. Okay? Like, it should, I think, most of us, and I don't know where you're at, but I think for most of us, it's a lot easier to think of five people who've had, I mean, you'd ask me, hey, can you think of five people who've had a who made a difference in your life, I can name it, boom, 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 boom. Probably more than five. Because it's, it is personal. It is direct. It is, it is like people caring. It's people loving. It's people showing compassion. And then you flip that and you ask people who may be well-known in the world, who may be wealthy and we may, may have great achievement in the eyes of the world. And in all honesty, it, it pales in comparison. To. I, I know pastors who may not be known in the sight of the world, like may not be famous, may not be personalities that everybody knows, but they have had such an impact in my life. They don't even know it. I've never even gone back and said, man, that message you preached when I was 17 years old, I never forgot. It changed the direction of my life. And so on a personal level, fame, wealth, and achievement pale in comparison. So we're in James chapter 5. A couple of things you need to know, okay? 
I don't want to want to make sure you're not blindsided James is the brother of Jesus he had a front row seat to Jesus teaching picture that right can you imagine being able to listen to te like teachings from the Savior like from his mouth that would have been pretty cool um, he had a front row seat to the movement that Jesus starts we call it Christianity but it's 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 more than a religion more than a denomination it is it was a movement and whether you're a believer or not you cannot deny the fact that this man Jesus in in a short like three and a half years that's it his public ministry only it was only three and a half years changed the history of the world you cannot deny that fact and uh, James had a front row seat to that and so in James chapter 5 he uses really strong language I'm warning you okay don't get mad at me, okay? Like, I did not want to preach this one. I was like, oh, Lord, are you serious? Is this the one that you got for us today? It's like, can you get Pastor Nicholas to preach it, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, but just warning you, this is an in-your-face, not running around the bush. He's getting to the point, and it's actually a little bit overwhelming. So let's get into it, okay? James 5, verse 1. Look here. I mean, you can already tell. <laughs> you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. It's not, not looking good so far, not a pretty picture. Verse 2. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eating rags. Ouch. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away at your flesh like fire so this is not like reading that you do for like your inspirational morning <laughs> you know uh, i was like okay lord are you sure um this corroded treasure you have hoarded keyword will testify it against you on the day of judgment for listen verse four Hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years, watch this. For some of us, I'm including myself, this is convicting. You've spent your years on earth in, in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You fatten yourselves for the day of slaughter. Verse 6, you have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Now, if you look at the first verse, I don't know if any of you guys pick up on it. The first few words, and if you guys can, it's not on, you know, it's not on my notes, but if you can put verse 1, that'd be great. Who is he addressing? Who is he warning? Did you pick up on it? What, who, like, who is he speaking to? Yep, that's it. Rich people. Now, so if you're like me, I'm like, okay, this is not for me, Lord. I'm, a, you know, way, you know, I can sleep through this one. I'm, a, I got a way out of this one, right? I'm not wealthy, but here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to think of it this way, and I don't know if you know this, but if you measure your way of living against the world standards, did you know that three quarters, three quarters of the world lives on three hundred dollars or less a year? Can you imagine? 300 and I don't say that to judge you I don't say that to condemn you to make you feel bad but when you compare our our way of living 
against the world standards, okay, $300 or less is what three quarters of the world lives on. And, and that's, to me, that's, that's convicting. And so, but I don't say it to make you feel guilty or to condemn you or to make you feel shame or any of that. Uh, I'm actually preaching a message. The title of it, of it is Defeating the Selfish Monster. Defeating the Selfish Monster. And I'll be honest with you, I was working on the message, and God woke me up in the morning one um, day, I think it was on Wednesday this week, and I, I honestly I had this conversation with God. I wasn't even pl planning on sharing with you, but I was like, Lord, I've got to be like the most selfish guy in the world. Like, I honestly said those words. And I kind of said them, and then I caught myself saying them. I've got to be like one of the most selfish people. Not that I want to, but I've got to be. And it's like, I'm selfish with my time. I'm selfish with my money. I'm selfish with my possessions. And I was like, why am I? And like, it's like God speaking to me, right? And often you get what he's telling me. So this is not pointing fingers. This is what God has been saying to me. But I honestly have that prayer, and I wonder, is there a little, am I the only one, or is there a little selfish monster living inside of you? Because at times, I feel like there is. You know, look to your neighbor and ask them, is there a little selfish monster living inside of you? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, don't be shy. You can ask, it's okay. Some of you are like, no, our kid is a selfish monster <laughs> in the house. Our, um, our students are at camp right now. Pray for them. They're having a blast, man. As we speak, they're being, like, infused with God's Word. And so um, it's, um, you know, somebody earlier said, make sure we bring the weather today because uh, all of our youth is at camp, you know. And uh, three, I heard this statistic. I didn't know this. 75% of our youth actually serve at our church. And you know that? That's, like, to me, that like, woo! Yeah, that's, when I heard that, it really shocked me because I, I really didn't know that. So what I want to do is I want to give you three attitudes to defeat that selfish monster that's inside of us. Uh, the story is told of a, an older man um, who became very wealthy, very, 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 who was able to accumulate lots of wealth. And um, he, uh, like he was so, like the older he got, the wealthier he got, but also the the, stingy, the stingier he got. Like, he was becoming more and more stingy in his old age. In fact, it was so bad that his wife started calling him Tywat. Okay, that's what, that was his, his title, his nickname. Um, because he, the older he got, the more stingy that he became. And um, one day, he, uh, he finds out that he, he's got cancer, and they're giving him three months to live. And um, he comes up to his wife and tells her, the news and he says when i when uh when you do my funeral when you when you bury me like i want you to bury me with all of my wealth and she's like what yes yeah, like yeah I, I i want you to bury me like with every dime and every dollar that i have um that i have saved and uh well three months came the man died and he's there at the funeral and um and she was holding some sort of envelope or something and uh right before they they closed the casket. She put it on his chest and said her goodbyes. And a few weeks later, her friend noticed, like, and asked her, like, what, what, what was the deal with that envelope? And said, well, he wanted to be buried with all of his wealth, every dime, every dollar. So I wrote him a check, and I figure if he can cash it, he can have it, you know. Um, some of you will get that a little bit later. Um, so... Um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is this. James, listen to this. He's not condemning wealth, okay? Get this. He's warning us 
about the great responsibility that we have to manage what God has given us. Now, you may be thinking that we're just going to talk about money today, but we're not talking about just money. We're talking about your time. Some of you are the most selfish people with your time. I'm including myself on that, okay? So not just you. I'm talking about what God's provided for you, your possessions. I am talking about your money and what God's providing you with. I'm talking about that as well. But it's not just a money talk, and I'm not trying to get any money from you, okay? Like, I would almost not want to take, well, we don't take the offering anyway, but I'd almost not want to talk about money at the end of the service today because I don't want you to feel like there's like, you know, like I, I'm, I, got, I want something from you. I have nothing that I want from you, okay? I'm trying to teach you God's word. And so when it comes to your wealth, when it comes to your time, when it comes to your possessions, there are three attitudes that will defeat this little demon, this little selfish monster that lives inside all of us. The Bible says the heart is deceitful, okay? So you're not, like those, those feelings exist um, because of our sin nature. It's just the way we are. That's why, like a, a, a toddler, you have to teach them to share, have you ever tried to teach a, a toddler to share? Oh, you know, come on, you can share. And they're like, no, mine. I want mine. What, what are you thinking? You're crazy. Where, you know, what world were you born in? Like, no, we have to. It's part of who we are. And so three attitudes. The first one is this. If you want to, if you want to take notes, write it down. I'm a steward, not a hoarder. Okay? I'm a steward. I'm not a hoarder. So in verse 3, I don't know if you picked up on it. It says, your gold and your silver, they're corroded. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. There is a difference. God is not saying that you can't save money. That, there's nothing in there that says that. What God is saying is be careful that your identity is not wrapped around the things that you own. Your cars, your vehicles, whatever you own. Make sure your identity is not to the tied to that your shoes because you can lose it like this in a moment's notice you can lose it and it's it's i was um on the phone with a really good friend of ours um he flew for the air air force um you know you, the movie top gun like he was that elite okay he was in germany and they just retired so they're back and they were talking to us about like when ukraine was invaded they had a family come over. Of course, it was just her and the kids. Um, the men had to stay behind. And one of their kids, my friend's kids, gave them a phone because they had lost everything. And this lady was in tears because someone was in. To, to me, it's like, okay, it's just an, it was an old phone, right? Like the, like the youngest kid, you know, it, was, it got passed down from one kid to the next. And so it was like an old phone that I don't even know if it worked. And she was in tears because she could use the phone they had given them unlimited uh, data ukraine had given everybody unlimited data so they could communicate and so they had the sim card and she was able to use that phone to call her husband and so what i'm trying to tell you today is nothing in this life is a guarantee and so when you wrap your identity around the things that you own when you find your worth and your um your your value in those things uh, it can, they can they can be gone in a minute nothing wrong with saving nothing wrong with investing uh i was i came across a verse the other day um thinking about some of the investment that i have in the stock market and the stock market has gone downhill and i came up with it i didn't come up with it i i came across a verse 
And I looked at it, and I, my reaction was like, wow, God, you are so practical. Like, I cannot believe this verse was written, like, years ago. And people say that the Bible is all in archaic. And I looked at the verse, and I thought, this is, like, what I need, like, for today. Like, even though this, the stock market wasn't even not in, a, in existence back then, like, I, and I just couldn't believe it. And here, here's the verse. And here's, I, like, it really shocked me. Ecclesiastes 11, to, uh, 2 says, divide your portion to seven or even to eight, God says. For you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. This is similar to the old country saying, don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. Because if your basket is dropped, you don't want every egg compromised. And so, of course, I'm thinking of the stock market and some of the investments that I have. But when I read that, I was like, there's just pure wisdom in that. It just makes sense. And so what God is saying to you is learn to manage, learn to steward what I've given you the right way. Here's another verse, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's what? Children. What God is saying is, a good person will leave some money, some inheritance to his or her grandkids. So, so please hear me clearly. God is not saying that you are being stingy because you're saving money and you're saving for retirement and you want to leave an inheritance to your kids. What God is saying is be a steward, don't be a hoarder. There's a difference. There's a huge, huge difference. It takes a lot of planning to practice that. That's, that's challenging. I don't care how old you are. That's, that's convicting to me. So my kids' kids, I, according to God's word, a good man leaves an inheritance to his kids' kids. Jesus puts it like this. Luke 12, 15. Watch out. Watch out. It's a, another warning. Probably not as strong as James, but it's a, it's a warning nevertheless. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Don't wrap up your identity. Everything you have is God's, okay? When the, the minute you say, mine, that, that's the minute that you, you transfer, you go from one place to the next, and it goes from being healthy. Lord, everything I have, it's, it's yours. I'm, I just want to share it. I just want to, and I, not just share it. That's wrong. I want to I wanna manage it the right way. There are times when I don't need to share some of the things that God's given me control over. No, I don't just, you know, like being a good steward of what God's given you. It's not like, oh, everybody, free for all. Anybody can have anything that God's given me. No, 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 no. There is a difference. Because some people don't know how to take care of the gifts that God's entrusted you with. And so there's a, it's a huge difference. Here's the second point. Sec, second attitude that defeats the selfish monster that lives inside of me. I'm a contributor, not a consumer. I am a contributor not a consumer. Would you say that out loud? Would you say it with me? Let's say it on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I'm a contributor, not a consumer. Say it one more time. I want you to retain it. I am a not a consumer. I'm a contributor. I'm a contributor. Say that to yourself often. That's the mindset that you should have. I contribute. That's the way I live my life. I don't just consume. Consuming is fun. We all do it, right? Like we like to consume. But look in verse five. You've spent your years on earth in luxury satisfying your every desire you have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter 
What's he saying? Don't spend all of your life just consuming, just consuming, just consuming. It's what I want. It's what I want. More. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. You know? And you're never satisfied. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the idea in that, in that verse. This is one of our core values as a church. Our elders came up with ten core values. One of our, our eighth core value, it's all about serving. And it's, 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 it's we're spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. And so if you come to LifePoint and this is your home for you, here's what I encourage you, challenge you to do. Don't just consume content. Okay? Make sure that your life, it's both. You have to feed your soul. I, I get that, and hopefully I do that. I try, I, try, I try to work really hard to feed you God's word. But if you come to life when and all you do is consume, and you don't ever serve, you're missing out on what God wants for your life. This is why we have things like Share the Love. Last week in July, one whole week, where we're going to devote serving the community. We're going to have a blood drive. We're going to have, uh, we're going to feed the community. We're going to, I mean, mow yards. We're going to love people in tangible ways. Not just tell them, we love you. No, 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 no. We're, you know, we, we had another initiative called the church has left the building right after COVID, okay? And so that's the heart behind who we are. The church is not just life point. The church is us. We are the church. And so last week in July, it's just an initiative. And here's what I'm asking you. If you know of someone in need, somebody that needs their yarn to be mowed, somebody that's struggling with, uh, I don't know, finances, paying the bills, if you know of someone that, that, that needs help in a tangible way, okay, let us know. Because our heart is to provide those needs. You know, we may not be able to, to provide every need to everybody that, that's, that needs something. But if we can do something for one, then it's worth it, okay? And so Jesus says, by the, by the way, July 1st, there's an air show that benefits our veterans here in town. It's a local thing. It's a, um, about 7,000 people are going to be in our backyard, basically. What do we do as a church? We open up our doors. They're, I think they have like 130 volunteers serving that day what do we do as a church we get our own people to serve their volunteers so that's july 1st if you want to be involved i encourage you um let me know let one of our people know um but let's let's be the church jesus says this matthew 5 16 he says this in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds it doesn't say that they may hear you preach well that they may hear you shove the bible down their throats no that they may see your good deeds and by seeing that tangible love by seeing that with your your blood and sweat and tears when they see that they may in turn glorify your heavenly father right before that jesus makes two statements if we can put the next slide up he says he says um he says you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world okay he says you are the help me out you're the what salt of the earth and you are the light of the world now what do these two have in common 
Salt and light. Okay, well, let me, let me break it down for you. Salt. Uh, salt is, um, it heals. Salt preserves. It enhances flavor. That's what we do as a church. When people come to our church that are broken, that are at the end of the rope, they don't know who else to turn. They don't know what to do. That's what we do. We help them heal. We help them. Uh, we make each other better. We, we pray for them. A broken soul comes to our church, and we're going to, we're going to do the very, like they're, they're going to throw in the towel. This is it. This is the last thing. What do we do? We're going to love them enough for them not to throw in the towel. Salt, it preserves, it heals, it um, enhances flavor. What does light do? What does light do? Well, light removes darkness, right? Light eliminates the way. Light, sunlight causes growth, correct? That's what light does. Now, the question is, what do these two have in common? Life change, listen to this, happens within the context of being a contributor, not a consumer. What these two things have in common is both salt as well as light add to your life. They add, they don't just suck your life. They don't, like, oh, you man, it's dark, you need to see, you use a light. Oh, man, my, my steak is kind of bland, I want to put a little bit of salt. Oh, man, that, that tastes so much better. Salt as well as light add value to your life. What do we do as a church? We add value to people in this community. When I came to LifePoint five years ago, almost five years, it'll be five years in September, um, I asked our, our leadership team, I said, like, what is the church known for? Like, if the church stops existing, what is the church known for? And the answer was that for a little bit longer. And then somebody said, we're known as Dixie Baptist, which was a name of a church from like 15 years before. And then I said, there's something seriously wrong with your church. And I said, look, I'm willing to, to reach out and I'm willing to, to come and be your pastor, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's not going to be easy. There are some changes that we're going to have to make. Personally, I don't think that we should be taking a $3,000, $4,000 trip to Brazil across the world when we have people next door that don't know Christ and when I ask you you have a school less than a mile away and they don't know who we are we're not known in that school I don't know I don't know that I think we're missing the boat and I after much prayer and many conversations we stopped all foreign mission trips and not forever but for a season Because if we are the church, it starts here. It starts with your family. Don't be the church to the church if you're not being the church to your family. Does that make sense? And so we're contributors. We're not consumers. We add value to people. That's what, that's what Christ did. He comes and he begins to heal people. He begins to pour into people. He begins, it was all about adding value to people. Now, full disclosure, Here's, here's the kicker. It is difficult being a contributor. Okay, I'm just being brutally honest. It's not easy uh, serving. I see some of you guys are wearing your Kids Point um, uh, shirts. 
It's not easy getting up an extra hour early and serving a bunch of kids. And, you know, it's not easy to be a contributor. It's much easier to consume. But I, I don't want you to miss it, okay? Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. If you don't get anything else out of the service today, get this, okay? So all eyes on the screen, okay? Every single person. Look at this, Proverbs eleven twenty four. One man gives freely. Watch this. It seems like an oxymoron, but... There's truth to this. One man, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. How is that possible? That's what Jesus taught, right? Like, you know, you reap what you sow. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will always prosper. And watch this. Get this. Don't miss it. He who, ref who refreshes others will himself be refreshed that's why jesus says i came to serve i came to give i didn't come to be served i came to be to add value to people we at life point we say uh, uh, generosity generates goodness when you're generous with your talents when you're generous with your gifting when you're generous with your money when you're generous with everything that god's provided you usually it generates goodness so um, I'll tell you a quick story, and I'm probably going to go a little long, guys. But I think this is good. Um, so I get to camp yet, uh, Friday night, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to go. Um, you know, we're, we're going out of town next week, and the timing was really difficult. But anyway, I get to camp. I decide, like, last minute, okay? I wanted to spend time with our students, and I had basically Friday and Saturday. And, um, and I get there, and I had my toiletries, and I had... Um, what else did I have? I have my clothes. Like, I was planning to stay there until this morning. I ended up leaving last night, like, at midnight. But long story short, I had toiletries and my, my clothes, even my Sunday morning stuff, okay? And then I, we come into the cabin, and all the kids are running. You know, they're there. They're getting kind of settled in. And Nicholas says, he says, Pastor Nicholas says, um, did you bring a pillow? It's like, ah, oh, no. Do you bring a sheets? It's like, oh, no. But it's okay. I'm used to, like, I don't mind, you know, like, it's just, you know, just a couple of nights. not a big deal. And before, before I could even think, Nathan, his son, his older son, gets off his top bunk and brings me his blanket. Pastor Alex here, you can use this. And he gives me his blanket. All I could think of the rest of the time I was there is, I gotta, I have to do something. I have to, like, I don't know if payback is the right word, but, you know, generosity generates goodness so i'm thinking what video game what you know chocolate what kind of thing can i give him because it, the, I, I told nathan when i left um yesterday i said or today or whenever I, I said i said i will never forget what you did for me i will never forget that that an 11 year old boy hears me i was like i wasn't like right next to him and he, he gets off his bunk bed and he throws it on my bunk bed and said pastor alex you can have my my blanket that's like no 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 you, you can keep it you know i have a sleeping bag he says i'm a contributor not a consumer last we'll close with this i'm gonna ask our worship team to get in place i plant in faith not in doubt i plant in faith not in doubt um when you plant seeds of love in the community and in, in your family, um, you have to, by faith, you have to believe that your life is going to make a difference. But here's the truth. Um, when I do it, I never know if I'm really making a difference. This is one of the challenges of ministry. 
you know, I never know, am I putting him to sleep? Or is this really going to, is this, you know, is this really going to make a difference? And usually the enemy is on the other ear, right, telling you, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, look at this, you know, low attendance, I'm not talking about today, but just saying, you know, like, you're not, it's not really that important what you're doing. And the enemy will do the same thing to you. And so when you're, if you want your life to make a difference, plant in faith, not in doubt. You gotta believe by faith, God, I'm going to do something for this someone. I'm gonna love them in a tangible way. But the truth is, you never know. You never know if that word of affirmation is going to actually gonna be received well. You never know if that, that act of, of, of unselfishness towards that other person is actually gonna make a difference in their lives. You never know. And so by faith, you have to say, God, I'm doing this and, I, and I'm trusting that you're gonna use it for something. I'll close with this. I don't know if you've heard the story of Telemachus. Have you, any of you guys heard the story of Telemachus? So, what a name, right? I practiced that like multiple times to be able to say it. Um, Telemachus was a monk in the fourth century, and um, he was in a monastery, enclosed like really tiny mo monastery, and God called him to go to Rome. And he didn't know why, but like God put that, that thought in his heart, like you need to go to Rome, you need to reach people in Rome. And so he left the monastery with a little bag, that's all he had, um, all of his life, earthly belongings in a little tiny bag. He gets to Rome, and there is like huge commotion. And he didn't understand, like people, like there's excitement in the streets, and people are moving, and they're going and coming. And he like stops somebody and says, hey, what's going on, what's going on? And um, somebody says, oh, you didn't, didn't you hear? Today's the day. Day for what? Today's the day when the gladiators fight in front of everybody in the Colosseum. 30,000 people, they fight to their death. And so everybody's getting ready for this afternoon. And Telemachus thinks it's the fourth century after Jesus dies. There's still people fighting to their death for entertainment? What in the world? Runs to the Colosseum, goes over the railing, gets in front of two gladiators, and he says, In the name of Christ, forbear. In the name of Christ, forbear. In other words, like, don't fight, don't engage. And one of the one of the gladiators takes the back of his sword and punches him in the stomach. And he goes flying, little Telemachus, it wasn't a big guy, little monk, plants, face plants into the sand, picks himself up, wipes the sand off his face, runs between these two gladiators one more time in the name of Christ, forbear. And at this time, the other gladiator takes his sword plunges it into his stomach it falls to the ground his blood spilling all over the sand and one last gasp he says in the name of Christ forbear that was the last known gladiator fight one by one everybody's 30 80,000 people stood up and left with heads bowed and eyes closed, how do you want your life to make a difference?
we have initiatives like share the love only to encourage you but don't let that be the don't let the church dictate what Christ has said in your life you can leave this place and you can share the love with somebody this week conversation you have you may you may be about to lose it on the phone with them and you one last time show patience show grace show love money fame wealth achievement career that's not going to make that much of a difference i promise you i'm not wealthy but look when i in my little years of experience when i look back and it's like the people that have made a difference in my life they've never been it's never been about wealth it's never been about it's when you selflessly care for people when you selflessly love deep when you have that compassion that Telemachus had in the name of Christ forbear he gave his life and thousands of years later we're still talking about him my challenge to you is don't let the little monster come out and defeat you and discourage you to do some good in this world three attitudes three attitudes that defeat that selfish monster I'm a steward it's not my time it's not my money it's not my abilities I'm a steward, not a hoarder. I'm a contributor, not a consumer. Significance comes when I give my life to a greater good. And last, I plant in faith, not in doubt. God, help us, use us. God, we want to make a difference in our world. And sometimes making a difference is going after the one. God, I pray that this message would settle in deep into our hearts and souls. God, I pray that we would see needs in this community. And that God, instead of shutting the, the doors to the church, like a lot of churches do in the middle of summer, God, I pray that we would open our hearts to, you, to what you want to do. Help us. We need you. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.